Hello and welcome to the first ever edition of Studio 41 Radio. You are listening to The Corner 3, where we're posted up and spotted up, talking Mavs, NBA, and more on 97.1 The Freak and the Mavs YouTube channel. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for listening. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me today is my Studio 41 co-host, Katia Vialba. Katia, how the heck are you? Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Let's get freaky. Let's do it. <laughs> Our third today in this venture from Locked On Mavs and Mavs.com. He's the great Isaac Harris. Isaac. Hey, it fits perfectly. She said, hey, let's get freaky. It's October. Halloween's coming up. Spooky it's season. Spooky season. Spooky here. season. I'm scared about how much fun we're going to have on this program. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, you out there might be asking yourself, what is Studio 41 Radio? What the heck is Studio 41? Well... We at the Dallas Mavericks launched Studio 41, presented by Chime, named after the GOAT himself before last season, with the goal of reaching new and more fans in new and more ways than we ever have before. And when Skin approached us after the Freak took over the airwaves with the idea of bringing more Mavs content to our flagship station, we couldn't say yes quickly enough. You're going to get Coop, Brad, and Mike Peasley on every radio broadcast, just like last year, but that's not all the Mavs you're going to get to hear. For two hours every weekend, we are thrilled to bring more Mavs talk, more NBA talk on 97.1 The Freak. You'll hear this show, but that's not all. Sometimes you'll hear Numbers on the Boards, a podcast Skin and I have recorded since 2017. Sometimes you'll hear other programs with more people from in and around the organization. But what you'll always hear is fun and smart Mavs talk, different than what you'll find anywhere else in the world. We are pumped to be here, and we hope you enjoy what we'll bring you this season. You guys, this is going to be a blast. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, we hang out already when we stream during the regular season. You know, Isaac comes and hangs out with us on Fridays. So I'm just excited to be able to bring this to, you know, 97.1 The Freak and be here and do this Saturday thing. We've done so many fun things on Twitch over the course of last season on Fridays. From ranking jerseys to talking about random foods, I watched you eat a hot dog. So uh, it was really good. <laughs> a hot dog with Fruit Loops on a, it. A little, not just a hot dog. A little weird, <clears throat> but to have this opportunity to kind of just put that hangout and talk about Mavs on ninety-seven point one, the Freak, is just a cool opportunity. And it's gonna be a lot of fun. It is gonna be a lot of fun, and it kind of gives us the Studio Forty One space. We stream on Twitch.tv/slash Dallas Mavericks. That's where you can follow us if you're into live streaming, and you follow us on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash Mavericks. It's kind of a, a testing ground to just do whatever we want, which really kind of goes along with the whole ethos of the freak. You know, Mike Reiner himself at the launch party, the GOAT, he said, we're just going to have fun. That's, that's what we want to do. You're not going to hear sports all the time, except for on this program. But what you <laughs> will hear is fun. And it's fun to hang out with you guys. Everything that we've done in Studio 41 has been a blast. So I just can't wait to get this thing rolling now that we're on the cusp of another season. Yeah, I mean, we've had our first preseason game, and then uh, we're recording this on Friday, so tonight is going to be the second preseason game, the first one at home, so I'm just excited to see, you know, Luca is supposed to be playing, and JaVale is supposed to be playing, so the projected starting lineup's there, like, you finally get to see what they have been kind of working on all summer. We're so ready for Mavs basketball. Like, you saw Fan Jam. And the, that lower bowl was completely packed. There's like 10,000 people there. Yeah, and I, I think it's just a testament that the Luka Doncic effect here in Dallas, but also this Mavs fan, this Mavs team building off last year, it, it's going to be a fun season. All right, now it's time to get in the pick and roll, the meat and potatoes of the Mavs offense and of this program. Friday night, the Mavs are playing the Magic, but on Wednesday night, 
Dallas traveled to Tulsa. They visited Tulsa. Quick trip, too. <laughs> and took down the Thunder 98-96 <laughs> in the preseason opener. Katsi, what was kind of your main takeaway from that game? I mean, we got to see our first glimpse of Christian Wood, not in the scrimmage, but in a preseason game, which, I mean, is still not a regular season game, but it is getting closer. Uh, besides that Tulsa is apparently a great place to visit. It that, is. That was, <laughs> that was my main takeaway. But Jaden Hardy, the confidence, the fun, he has such an infectious personality. And that fourth quarter by him, 16 points in the fourth quarter, yeah, man, he's, uh, he's fun to watch. And the Josh Green hype train, just completely out of control. All aboard. Is this Choo, choo, choo. <laughs> That's what Lucas says. We'll find out how he's going to do it. Uh, so talking more about Christian Wood, you know, JaVale McGee did not play. We all thought maybe Christian Wood would get the start, but he's coming off the bench. Whether or not McGee is playing, it was Dwight Powell's starting lineup. Christian Wood is going to be your sixth man. Katia J-Kid said he thinks Christian Wood could be sixth man of the year. Mark Cuban saying the same thing. What did you see from him in this game on the boards, but also just that pick and roll lob threat? So, I mean, he did hit a double-double. He had, um, you know, 10-plus rebounds, which was good to see because that is what you want to bring to this team. That is what they were missing last year was a rim protector and a lob threat. You know, they have Dwight, but having multiple options is really important. But something that I did notice is that they did play him by himself, but they also played him along Dwight. So I think they're kind of tinkering with him at the four and seeing how he fits into that because – I think this is the year that the two big men lineup come back. Like, I think the NBA is going big again. Bring I it mean, back. Yeah. Bring you're, it back. You're seeing teams really go big. I mean, Minnesota is a good example of that with Kat and Rudy. And um, being able to see him play alongside Dwight was really cool because Dwight's got that good veteran presence and all that. And then seeing Christian Wood, the new guy, hungry. Let's, let's see what he brings, you know? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, with Christian Wood, when he first started or when they first announced the trade, it was all about prove it. We heard all from Nico talking about the team has to prove it to him. He has to prove it to the Mavs. And, you know, he, he starts coming off the bench. He's so talented of a guy. He, he's not used to coming off the bench. And then this is what's going to happen, it looks like, to begin the season. And it looks like he, you know, it's going to take some time. I think that's one of the things we have to preach to the fans is, Give it some time. Be patient with him coming off the bench. That it's going to be an adjustment for him. And we saw that a little bit in the first half, but that third quarter, that's when we saw his confidence come out. They played through him a lot, too. You know, without Luca, did not play in the game at all. Spencer Dinwiddie played a lot in the first half, and I don't think played a second in the, you know, from the yeah. third quarter and beyond. So it was a lot of playing through Wood. And Kate, I want to go back to what you said about playing him at power forward. Because the, the whole idea of bringing him here is that you can play him at the five, right? It's the same KP deal. Like, if your right. five man can shoot the three and roll to the rim, That's how do you threat. guard him? Yeah. But, you know, the way this roster is stacked up, you got, like, JaVale McGee, Dwight Powell. Those are, like, traditional centers, right? Correct. You know, Dwight will shoot some threes, but he's, he's at his best rolling to the rim. Then you got a guy like Maxi Kleba coming off the bench alongside Christian Wood, who's much more of a floor spacer. And so I can see a little bit of Wood at the four – Maybe it's mostly at the five, but I don't know. Defensively, maybe he hits, he fits better as a four. Defensively, maybe Maxi's your five, but we see Maxi switch off on wings. I guess the the big picture here is that they have a lot of versatility. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I guess if if we do see two bigs, because not only are teams like Minnesota going big, but also our friends up in Cleveland, fellow Pokemon <laughs> fan Jared Allen with the Cavs, they're going really big. You wouldn't know that. You know the number one <laughs> prospect of all time, Victor Wimbanyama. You know like. 
guys are getting bigger. You know, yeah. it's uh, they're getting bigger, but their skill sets are growing. Mm -hmm. So it's not just your traditional big. Oh, okay, I'm gonna sit in the paint and just see what we can do here. It's like no, like they are a perimeter threat. So now, whenever you have a guy like Victor who is seven four, and he can just straight up shoot at three, like what? How do you He's guard? He's pulling that? up from yeah, thirty five. <laughs> like yeah. legit. Like it's nothing. Legit. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about him here in a little bit too. But uh, I mean, Christian Wood, they're letting him bring the ball up the floor. They too. are. That's that's another thing I think that that stood out, and we'll kind of talk about the the whole playmaker deal. He ran here in a pick a and roll with Dwight. <laughs> he did. Yeah, as, he did. The, as the ball handler. I mean, you got the green light, dude. Yeah. Uh, okay, Isaac, Jaden Hardy, you mentioned he had 16 points in the fourth quarter. The dude was absolutely spectacular. Playing a little bit on the ball, playing <laughs> a little bit off the ball. What does Jaden Hardy do well? What is his path to a spot in the rotation this season? Ironic enough, we're going to talk about this team in a little bit, but um, hopefully he doesn't get punched like Jordan Poole. <laughs> but Jordan Poole is the type of like role that I look at, and I look at Jaden Hardy, and I was like, can you play that type of role on a really good team? That just microwave score coming off the bench. You can score at all levels. He can drive to the basket. He can obviously take the three. And I go back to Summer League. Summer League. He puts up 28 in that first game. And he struggles a little bit. And one of the biggest things we heard from Nico, Jason Kidd, was this kid hit the gym from Summer League until now the entire time. And even I thought it was one of the cooler things, seeing Spencer Dinwiddie post on his Instagram story back a few weeks ago. He's like, the kid helped us. You know, we ran the floor today. He's been in the gym with these guys over the summer leading up to training camp. So it hasn't been, hey, he left Vegas, and then he's kind of done his own thing. He's been here. He's working. And I think you saw that in that first preseason game, that 16 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I get it. It's preseason and all that. But He's so confident, and I love his energy. He's flexing on the Tulsa crowd, okay? What did the Tulsa crowd do to you, Jaden Hardy? <laughs> but I don't care. Flex on him. Let him know. Flex on him. Let him know what's and up. And I'm here for it. And the mo first moment that he flexes in front of this AAC crowd, this place is going to go nuts. So Insane, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm all here for Jaden Hardy this year. I mean, you don't really know what his ceiling is yet, right? So yeah. right now it's like the sky is the limit. Plus, like his confidence, like you said, you bring that type of confidence, you bring that type of energy, it's contagious. And he, you know, he's young, so he's very bright eyed and just like, like I said, the sky's the limit for him. So I'm excited to see what, you know, what the Mavs make of him. Yeah. He was the number two prospect yeah. whenever he was mm -hmm. in high school. Instead of going to college, he spent a year with the G League Ignite in the G League. And, you know, his numbers were a little up and down. He really struggled shooting the three in the G League, but I think that's because they played through him a lot more than he was, like, spotting up off the ball. Yeah. Okay. Because coming up... Because his catch and shoot looked yeah. good. And yeah. his catch and shoot in the G League last year was very good. I think yeah. he shot above 40% Which on catch and shoot threes. Very similar to a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who throughout his career has always been in the high 30s, low 40s catch and shoot. But these off-the-dribble threes that we see guys like Luka take all the time, they're very tough to make. And Hardy was yeah. taking a lot of those in the G League. And so, you know, maybe the fact that he wasn't super efficient or whatever in the G League last year really hurt his draft stock. But the Mavs, they claim to have had a first-round grade on him, and if they don't make the Christian yeah. Wood trade, maybe they take him at pick 26. Right. Uh, but they got him at pick 37 they or whatever They said they would take him at 26, Bobby. It wasn't maybe. They okay. said they would have taken him at 26. Definitively. <laughs> but, I mean, how often 
I think that he's got enough talent to pan out for sure. But how often do you have a chance at this lottery ticket? Like this guy that's two years removed yeah. from being the number two player right. in his high school class, behind only Chet Holmgren. Like we're talking elite level prospect. Yeah. How often do you get a shot at one of those guys in the second round? Like you, you have to take that chance. And it's like the G League have, has gotten – I mean, they're going to have Scoot this year. And last year they had Jaden Hardy. The year before that they had Jalen Green. Like they're getting these top prospects coming out of high school. And we kind of see the difference of that. Jalen Green, you know, you assume Jaden Hardy went into the G League Ignite season thinking, all right, I've seen what Jalen Green did. He went second overall in his draft. I'm going to do the same thing by going to the Ignite team. Now, he loves, he loves talking about that experience and everything. I mean, he had a media day with them. Like, he was a, a pro, basically, for the Ignite team. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work out the same as it did for Jalen Green, what it will probably do for Scoot Henderson. But the talent's there. We just – it's the lottery ticket that Kat was referring to. I mean, the talent's there and the chip on the shoulder, just a little extra motivation to kind of, yeah. you know, push him into that next level, I believe. And very parallel, symmetrical style to Jalen Brunson. You know, different paths. Jalen went to college for three years, won two national championships, a super polished prospect. Yeah. But somehow fell out of the first round. Well, I always say that it was because of Dante's game in the championship so DiVincenzo had <laughs> yeah, that Di insane game in the championship he yeah. went in the first round right so had it been yeah. JB that had that game like everything could have been different yeah and had Jaden Hardy shot five percent better from three you know in everything 25 G League games whatever. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about such a small sample size which is part of the risk I think of going to the G League because in college you play the same number of games, but it's a full season. Yeah. The G right. League is such a condensed thing. It's like, well, I don't know how much we could pay attention to that, but if, if you shoot 25% in college, you can still be a lottery pick. It happens all the time. Right. So and he was almost punished for playing against better competition. And, and I don't know what his role is going to look like this year, but I think it could it could serve as like the uh, – we used to joke that J.J. Barea was kind of like the break glass in case of emergency back in one of his last years that he didn't have this like defined role but whenever the offense was kind of clunky, they didn't know where to go, they would kind of like, hey, let's break the glass. Let's throw J.J. in. He can at least run some pick and roll with Dwight and stuff. I think Jaden Hardy could have some type of role as that. Like, hey, if nothing's working from offense, especially coming off the bench, we're down by 12. It's late third quarter, and it's just like, man, we don't have any options. Just throw Jaden Hardy in and say, go like get us that. a bucket. Like, maybe he gets hot. There could be a game this year where he puts up like 23 points, and he's the reason. He's dancing afterwards. We're all freaking out. And we're just having a lot of fun with it. So I think that's a, a kind of a type of role that I'm, I'm looking at. He's also got a lot of fans his age, too, in the league, <laughs> which I think is very good. Yeah. Very, very good. Okay, one guy that was a couple years ago during his rookie season, sort of that break glass in case of emergency guy, last season got a little bit more of a role, and this season is trying to become a mainstay, is in Nico Harrison's word, the MVP of the summer, Josh Green. Hey. Dude has been unbelievable through camp for what that's worth. He's had been putting a, in work this summer. Had a very good game in the preseason, too, for what that's worth. Put a lot of work in. <laughs> Katia with Kyle Lowry for what that's worth. Yeah. All the narrative, all the hype is building up to Josh Green having an all-star season. Uh, what can Josh Green do to Settle be down. more than a all-star? I know. Okay. all-star. Look, I got, a, I got <laughs> sky-high hopes. Look, I could see <laughs> him being a candidate for most improved. Okay. Like, realistically. Oh. Like, here we're talking realistically. Okay. That's, that's a hot take. Uh, that if, is hot take. Hey, hey, if he has the season that everyone's projecting him to have, 100% in the running, most improved. Because you're going from play every, like, third game for 12 right. minutes. You know, play whenever three starters are out. You can slide Josh Green. Right. To maybe 
18 minutes a game, 20, maybe even more off the bench. Yeah. He brings the defense. If he's got the shot, I mean, he could be really productive. I'm saying, you know, don't don't count him out yet out of that race. Are y'all going to come after me if I just say I need to see it? I just, I got yes. to see it. You better run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see it. I don't know. I think because of that playoff moment to where he was dribbling, Rudy Gobert was kind of just like standing there, kind of like when I'm in my backyard and I'm like watching my son just like roll around with his basketball. And Rudy was just standing there watching Josh just dribble around in circles because they didn't respect his shot. And he wasn't confident with the ball. And I just want to see it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it will be huge for this team. If, if Josh Green can be a vital part on the wing and everything he can do well, I just got to see it. And that's I'm just going into this season with lowering the expectations, hoping that he can prove me wrong. If you lower the expectations, you'll be more surprised exactly. when it happens. Why also, aim for the stars <laughs> when you can just go for the moon? Man, I'm, I'm saying there was a couple times in that Utah series where he was open. You know, they, yeah. he was not a threat to Utah. And I just, I want to see that change. Like, I want to see, you know, he's been putting in the work. I want to see that change. And I want to see, you know, put some respect on it. Yeah. Our guy Dorian Finney-Smith used to be left open all the time, oh. too. He oh, was sort of the anymore. afterthought of the defense. Yeah, and not anymore not because anymore. he proved it. Yeah. Now, it took him several years. Finney's, what, entering his sixth or seventh season now as a pro. Six, and I believe. And is finally just now starting to get guarded every now and then. It could take Josh a while, but... The looks are going to be there. And if they're there, you got to knock them down. And it's important, too, because Dorian and Reggie Bullock, these guys are playing like 45 minutes per game in the playoffs. That is not sustainable. Not sustainable in the regular season, not sustainable in the postseason. So they need, whether it's Josh Green, Frank Nelikina, Jaden Hardy, they need somebody to step up and really grab those minutes and not have it be this like, well, uh, we'll throw a dart and see who it lands on, and that guy can come in the game. You know, they, they need some steady minutes from somebody. So maybe it'll be Josh. They also maybe need, it'll be Frank. Maybe. I mean, you just don't know. They also need steady playmaking. And even whenever Spencer Dinwiddie was on the floor, now this is first game of the preseason. This is you just took five months off and hung out at the beach and had a good time and everything. But the offense was a little clunky. Luca wasn't playing. Luca usually uh, masks a lot of problems with his ability to, to pass the ball. But mm -hmm. the prevailing sort of concern of this roster is that it's Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie and then and maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. Then you, Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> then me. Uh, one guy that stood out, deep reserve. You might not be very familiar with this game. McKinley Wright the fourth. He impressed the heck out he of did. me. He did. He had 10 assists, yeah. Katya. He did. Put the ball on the floor, made some plays. This team does have a roster spot open. It has a two-way spot open. Yep. And it has a whole lot of playmaking spots open. And so what did you see from McKinley Wright? And could he maybe be that guy? Or is it too early to, to think about that? I mean, it is early, but I did see the spark of energy. I mean, you, you're at that point when you're in that part of the roster and you're playing in preseason, they're playing for something, right? So like your Lucas and, you know, your Spencers, they're not playing for much in preseason i know that that sounds kind of harsh but like these guys are playing for something they're yeah. playing for for you know for a contract so he's going to bring the energy and he absolutely brought it i mean he was full, full court pressing <laughs> like just second quarter preseason game and the man is on a full court press just like playing defense and i just i was very impressed by him bringing that to the table 
He's all-time leader in assist at Colorado. He can run the point. He was a good college basketball player. He showed some things in Minnesota in his short stint there. But I don't know if it's – for me, I think he has the two-way spot. Like, it's his to lose at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, – yeah, I, I think he, I don't know what his future role is, but he played well the other night. Hopefully that's not the Isaac curse and Friday against Orlando. He has seven <laughs> turnovers and goes 0 for 9 from the floor. Quickly now, a lot of the big guys are going to be back for this game against the Magic. Katia, what's one thing you're looking for from JaVale McGee? I just want to see him um, kind of command the floor and be able to bring that and just, you know, have a couple of really cool, like, alley-oops and, and get the AAC going, you know? Isaac, Tim Hardaway Jr., what do you want to see? I want to see just, is he 100%? The whole offseason, you know, he obviously didn't play for a good chunk of the end of last season, and now he's back 100%. Let's see if he looks like normal Tim Hardaway. All right, and then a closing segment, Step Back 3. These are three top stories that we're paying attention to around the league. We will revisit these near the end of the show. My top story of the week, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole get into a scuffle, and my God, what a soap opera. I cannot wait to dive into uh, into the drama with you guys. Katya, what about you? The thing that really piqued my interest this week was LeBron wanting to own a team in Vegas. Player, owner, GM, agent? All What's of in it. LeBron's future? All of it. We'll discuss. <laughs> Isaac. Staying in Vegas, Victor Wimbenyama, Scoot Henderson. Is this the most anticipated draft lottery since LeBron's draft in 2003? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. What about 2018? What about Luca? Well, we're going to dive into that and a whole lot more. But first, coming up next... We'll be joined by my boss, Mike Marshall, to talk some Mavs history and what you can find and experience this year at the State Fair. Welcome back to the Corner 3. We got Kati, we got Isaac, I'm Bobby. Joining us now, a very special guest. I have to say a lot of very nice things about him because he's my boss. He's a great guy, valued friend, the smartest person in the world. And the best person on your fantasy football team. No, he's one. He's actually got a really bad team this year, <laughs> even worse than mine. It's the great Mike Marshall. It's a productive struggle, okay? We're, yeah. we're building towards next year. It's this 2023 draft is going to be lit, so I wanted in on that. But uh, you yeah, talking Bijan or are you talking Wimby? All of them. Oh, all of the, the, this draft is going to be iconic. This is going to be like, uh, I don't know, what's the best NFL first overall pick in NBA in the same year? Whatever LeBron and whoever was drafted that year, right? <laughs> uh, so I think that's the combo. Tim um, Couch. Yeah, I don't know. What was that, 20 years ago now or something? Who even knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for having me uh, in, the, in the studio and on your, on your radio show uh, to hang out in the treehouse with my friends. Um, yeah, you don't say nice things about me. You can just do the same stuff we do on the text message thread that we have. Okay, well, this guy sucks. Here's Mike Marshall. <laughs> there Mike, you go. That's about right. Thanks for joining us, man. We are going to talk about the State Fair, about the Mavs Vault, about the awesome history video you made that you can find on the Mavs YouTube channel. But first, this whole deal is kind of your idea, Studio 41, presented by Chime. Can you tell us about how and why you hatched this crazy plot to make some content for Mavs fans? Yeah, you really weren't doing enough work. So I needed, I needed an outlet now that uh, the art of writing is dead, apparently. Uh, Bobby uh, couldn't uh, get his words out there, so I, I created an entire elaborate studio so Bobby could have fun time uh, with his friends. But uh, no, it's, I think everyone kind of realized how media and direct-to-consumer, uh, whatever you want to label it as, um, video, audio um, experiences for fans have altered swiftly like I feel like we've evolved so quickly over the last two to three years because 
you know, not to um, downplay the importance of radio or whatever, but advertisers didn't have money for a long time, right? And so people got used to watching their favorite podcast on YouTube, on Twitch. Um, people wanted to watch things at home while they were working at home and have things on in the background, right? And Isaac knows this as well as anybody. They do a daily podcast, right, for Lockdown Mavs, which I did the first season, and me and Jake said bye pretty quickly because that is a <laughs> commitment. You weren't built for this. No, I was not different at that time. Um, and so it's people want things daily. They want you talking about their teams daily. They want to live with it. They want it to be a part of, of their lives. Um, and high-quality video is not that hard to do anymore. It's not impossible. Like, it is still a magic trick, but it's not like, you know, holding your breath underwater for 19 minutes magic trick at this point. So I knew we could do it. I knew if I put the right people in place, uh, and Chopper and Katya and you, that we could get this thing up and running um, and making things on a daily basis or semi-daily basis that people wanted to watch and talking about the Mavericks and honestly just controlling the, the fandom conversation and vacuum that I feel that's one of the biggest things I've ever, like motivations in this job is, I don't know if the coverage of the team is exactly what I would like to see as a fan across the board. We've gotten better in the last couple of years, um, you know, cause new people have come along or just people have been held to a higher standard and there's more competition. But for a long time, why I started working in this business and started leaning it towards basketball and the Dallas Mavericks is I wasn't seeing the type of coverage and content and media that I wanted to see. I feel like there was like one per one or two people and they weren't getting challenged on, you know, can I go somewhere else? So you wanted to disrupt the industry. Yeah, well, disrupt her. When mainly. you don't like something, you just make your own. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my yeah, that's <laughs> my uh very uh self-centered uh view on it is if if you're not doing it that well, like I'm just gonna come along and do it better. So shots fired at locked on, <laughs> Isaac. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Very kind words. Mike, thank you for coming in and saying a bunch of nice stuff about us. We gotta have you in more often. Yeah. Uh, this has been this has been great. But <laughs> hype us up. Hype yeah. us up. <laughs> ask, so, ask your boss if Mike can come in. Mm -hmm. Can you just be a permanent member of <laughs> Studio 41? That's fine. What's your budget? I'll ask me. Wow, <laughs> 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 flex on us. Just like you're a little Jaden Hardy over there. So the reason we're having you on, Mike, is because this fall. From September 30th to October 23rd at the Texas State State Fair of Texas, or is it the Texas State Fair? Who even knows these? I things? think it's State, the State Fair, Fair of Texas. Texas. Okay, yeah. well at that one, in the <laughs> Hall of State, mm -hmm. the Mavs have a whole freaking exhibit, man. They do. Yeah. It's called the Mavs Vault. What can we find in there, Michael? Um, everything, the the history of the team from the crazy idea of Norm Sanju to want to put a team in Dallas to. Uh, artifacts as recently as last season. This was a, an idea that came together from the State Fair and the Dallas Historical Society and the Dallas Mavericks. My boss, mainly uh, Aaron Feingold, who wanted to do it and said, yeah, we can pull this off. Um, and so it's an entire museum installation in the Hall of State. Um, so if you're not familiar with that area, which I don't know if people that live in Dallas still don't go to the State Fair, it's kind of like Either, I'm either really into it or not into it, right? But you like might living in Orlando and going to Disney World. Yeah, yeah. You might not uh. go unless you take your kids, and you still might not go and experience the Hall of State. Like, the Hall of State is an yeah. incredibly gorgeous, crazy building to, like, walk inside of. Um, and the and architecture. Where normally, like, the more prestigious type of displays and, mm -hmm. you know, things are for the State Fair. Prestigious, yeah. just like the Mavs. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. 
You can you can go and just go to the midway and have a corny dog and have a great time and ride some rides, but there's also like a million. You can go to the state fair for a week and probably do different things. Um, so I don't blame anybody if they never went to the Hall of State or didn't realize it was like there. But the architecture like around the Hall of State is, I don't know. I wanted to do a photo shoot down there for like the longest time. Like whenever the the uh, Pegasus jerseys came out, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish COVID wasn't happening right now. That looks so cool. Next Are you to talking this. like you want a model down there? Yeah, me mainly. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like a Mike calendar. Yeah, just a calendar. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I wanted to get like players down there and like do crazy things, like jump over the fountain and things like that. Um, so it's already like a really cool area and then they had this crazy idea the historical society and we have a company called heritage works that we work with that um protects all our artifacts and it's basically a giant mavs museum right and so we started filling in the holes of okay how do we tell the story the 42 years now of this team through physical representation and different little cubby holes uh niches right um, and how do we plot that out? Can you just jump from 1980 to 1990? And that's the tricky part, right? Is like telling the story in a respectful way where you're not just hitting quantum leap button on different periods of time. There were some forgettable years in there, but yeah, there were players who played for the Mavs. There were people that came to Mavs games. Like the yeah. Mavs existed from 1988 to 2001. Right. There, there was some questionable jerseys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, trash bag jersey is up there. It's there. It's there. It's uh, there. But it's it's everything. I mean, it's like the the trophy. It's uh, a jersey from the first game. It's the first game ball that's signed by every player. Right. So the older stuff is more interesting because we didn't necessarily get to experience. For sure. Right. Um, mid nineties is probably when I w became obsessed with basketball cause I was like nine, 10 years old. Right. So I remember the three J's, right. That's when I got in, got into Mavdom. What were um, they famous for? Uh, playing basketball, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking of Isaac? <laughs> yeah. How just their fit on the court together. Uh, Isaac is a little younger. I don't think he remembers. Uh, okay. <laughs> he just reads the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. Do we okay. choose to remember the nineties for the Mavs? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, they were really fun at one point when it, like being nothing and being so bad and then like the rising to you know even like the Sean Bradley years right it was it's it's fun it's fun to build from nothing like and that's part of what I mean watching all the footage of like Dick Mata and Norm Sanju and stuff like that and Dick Mata literally said like I want to be a part of an expansion team a guy that had won an NBA championship wanted to be a part of an expansion team because he knew I don't know. It's that itch. It's that pioneer mm -hmm. head west. It's, it's starting a dynasty mode on NCAA. Yeah. Starting a new franchise, yeah. you know, on NBA 2K. Yeah. Uh, and Mike, this footage that you're talking about, it's all part of a 30-minute documentary that you can see in the theater in mm -hmm. the Hall of State, but also on the Mavs YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash Mavericks, where you spend really a majority of the video, like the whole first half is basically just about that first season. Mm -hmm. The founding of the team, how they made it happen, you know, there's a lot of people that are our age and younger, maybe even older folks that didn't become fans until recently that have no memory of what the landscape was like in 1980. But the very fact that this whole thing was able to get off the ground is in and of itself a miracle. Absolutely. I mean, it, it seems when you look back at it now, it seems like it was inevitable, uh, but it could have been nothing, right? It was a time full of possibility. The NBA was expanding. They didn't really want a team in Dallas, like, they were not really on board until, you know, they got into the stages of, of getting the team here and getting the funding, and they said, oh, hold on a sec, like, uh, 
that's cool, but let's do a little bit more money down, please. Um, mm -hmm. And that scared away a lot of investors. And it almost didn't happen. It, yeah, it almost didn't happen. And if Don Carter's wife didn't really like basketball, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It 100% does not happen. Right. Like his grand, uh, the granddaughter, Don Carter, uh, loaned us like the notebook, the founding of the franchise, and she was like, yeah, my grandma just really liked basketball, so Don got involved. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's iconic now because of what he brought here and what it became, but yeah, the first 15 minutes, I thought I owed that to the first two or three years of the franchise because it was so bad uh, off the jump, and the deck was stacked against them so heavily because, I mean, that first expansion draft, they got zero players. Yeah. It's not like the Tampa Bay Lightning or whoever came in a couple of years ago, uh, Vegas, the right? Ve oh, ve and they made, it, they made it to the yeah. Stanley Cup. They, because, got, I mean, they yeah. got some players out of that expansion yeah, draft. And even when Seattle or uh, Vancouver, Seattle situation, right, you get some players out of an expansion draft. They got nobody Nothing. that contributed. Yeah. Absolutely no one in that expansion draft contributed to that team. So they started from nothing, got nothing in this, mm -hmm. you know, feed the, the system type of way of, hey, let's do an expansion draft and it's going to be real democratic and help you guys out. Nope, that didn't happen. And we'll give you a charity pick that you can use on Kiki Vandaway yeah. who will definitely play <laughs> for your team. Yeah, they got Eli Manning too, right? <laughs> and so it just, it was not going to be an, any, anything. They had to hit on these draft picks they had, which was 1-1 overall uh, in 1981, which is Mark Aguirre. And then the pick for Kiki Vandaway ended up getting moved and became Roe Blackman. And then they got Derek Harper, and you start stacking it up, right. and you get this team, right, this group. And they were, they were patient with it. They were willing to say this is going to take three to five years. It was the original process. Yes, absolutely. Yes, this was the model franchise of how to start a new NBA team. And most, in, most Mavericks fans, I'd say under 10%, know the full story of what Norm Sanju did. And literally writing checks from his personal bank account to pay people on the team because they had no money. They wow. were paying Rick's son out of their bank account. Wow. He and his wife for a Officing while Officing him out of their home. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, the wow. Dallas Mavs HQ was just Norm Sanju's house for like yeah. six months. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to go further back, like it's Don Carter's mom who started the business that Don Carter ran. And it was uh, it's something office supplies. It's interiors, home interiors. Uh, and that's how he had money, and that started taking off because there were so many um, giant offices being built in right. Dallas and around this area. Like, that was the skyscraper time, right? That's when all these buildings got built initially. And so Don's booming with money, and they just have cash, like, flying everywhere. And he's like, it's not a thing to me to throw down a couple million dollars on an NBA team. If that doesn't happen, this doesn't work, right? Look, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, she wants exactly. a basketball team? Exactly. We're funding it. Yeah, and Don, <laughs> Don ended up loving it, obviously, and becoming a huge part of the franchise, but he just wanted to go to the game, have a hot dog, eat his cake, and hang out with his family. Like, that's what he wanted. And it, no one knows those stories. Like, they just don't. They don't exist. And whenever Mark bought the team, to his credit and to um, – you know, the, the failure of supporting our own history, everyone thinks that the team started in 2000 when Mark bought it, right? That's kind of like the beginning of the Mavericks when they mattered, when we started pushing towards the finals and then made another finals and won one. It's just no one looks back that far and realizes we made a Western Conference Finals in 88. And so you mean to tell me that Dirk was not on the team always and forever? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, there were a lot of years pre-Dirk that's, you know, I was at Mavs hoop camps at 10 years old. That's awesome. And Brad Davis would come in, and I would freak out. You know That's what I so mean? That's so cool. And Roe would show up, and I'd, I'd freak out. And, 
yeah, it was, there's just so much rich history with this team and all it takes is some care and some time of people talking, knowing those stories, wanting to share them with everyone else. And just, you know, I'm not the biggest history dork. I don't, you know, get into like world war stuff, but sports stuff, I definitely do. Because what we're doing right now is going to be so important 20 years from now, right? And then even more important 20 years down the road, right? Because I came from working for the Dallas Cowboys initially, and when things aren't going great for them, they can always talk about Roger Staubach and right. Andrew Pearson and Emmett Smith and all these you know traditions that they have and they've lived through. Um, and it's it just builds your fandom through generations where you can take your kids to this game and you take your grandkids to this game. And, uh, you know, that comes from a love of basketball and, and being local to this team. But it's just a part of my life as it is a part of your life, as it is a part of your life and, and Kat's life as, as well. Um, I think yeah. it's also important to keep the history alive, right? So history gets, mm -hmm. it's something that has just been told from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And if you keep that alive you keep like the trueness of like what the organization really is yeah. you know and it's important to pass that down like you said kids grandkids mm -hmm. share that with them and you know make sure they know like hey like this is how your favorite team started and it, mm -hmm. it grows a bigger bond and it, it attaches you to the team so it's yeah. very important well it's important right now too because don carter passed away a few years ago mm -hmm. norm sanju is still alive and he was actually mm -hmm. at the opening night which was really cool to see but yeah. you know a lot of these key players this is 40 50 years ago that we're talking about now mm -hmm. i mean this is yeah. this is a multiple generations where sure. if you don't curate and maintain and tell these stories then yeah they disappear they will get man. lost to the ages yeah. they disappear and we are in a lot such of this a stuff was written on paper literally yeah. written on paper yeah and we have we have such a culture where it's like turn and burn right where it's like today's news is gone and it's done and tomorrow and even half days even hours right of how the news cycle turns over and how our mind is getting conditioned to do that so people didn't have the stories even accurate the people that were supposed to have the stories accurate still didn't know a lot of the stuff and one of the things i always fall back on um is dirk's last game when mm -hmm. mark said we'll continue to teach the next generation your lessons that you taught us yeah that's what it gets down to to me is like the norm sanju story of never ever quitting and just even if i think i'm doing something everyone says i'm doing something insane i know it's right Right? It's just important to keep it alive and keep passing it down and make yep. sure that that does not get lost yep. because it, you know, it's what the team was founded on. Mm -hmm. And so. it puts a, it puts stories behind this classic green, mm -hmm. the cowboy hat, yeah. the, the retro jerseys and city jerseys that mm -hmm. so many fans today love. Now we can mm -hmm. look at that green and look at the hat and say, oh, that, mm -hmm. These are the stories behind that. Yeah, this whole identity is wrapped up in just two dudes that happened to cross paths by chance, mm -hmm. 45 years ago at the 11th hour. Like, this yep. whole thing is a miracle. So check it out. It's the Mavs Vault in the Hall of State at the State Fair of Texas. You have until October 23rd to check it out in person. The video that Mike put together will be on our YouTube channel for all time, though. So definitely go watch it if you can't make it to the fair. If you are at the fair, you can check it out in the theater downstairs. But now... It's time for Cat's Corner. Oh my gosh. Katya, well, wow. what, what's going on in your world? What a transition. Well, earlier this week, we uh, did a little broadcast here out of Studio 41. We did the uh, Mavericks Thunder preseason game, and we had Bobby, Isaac, and then the great Dana Larson the from Valley Sports Southwest. The great. Yeah, she joined. I mean, she's amazing. How fun was she? Oh, she's right? awesome. It was she's so awesome. much fun it having was a blast. her in here. Because we never get to see that side of her, right? The just hanging out, you know, chilling on the couch, watching a basketball game with her. 
And um, I learned that Dana is a fellow cereal connoisseur. She she is all about her cereal. You're into cereal too. I mean, I'm I'm into Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> okay, right. you've been known you've been known to have a bowl. <laughs> yes, I've been known to have a bowl or two, you know. But uh, it took it took us back because whenever we were having our, our little production meeting, we uh, we told Dana the story of when we were streaming Morning with the Mavs. Sometimes we do our little tier list. So Bobby and I were doing a cereal tier list one day, and uh, when it came to Cocoa Puffs, I put it at the very top, and then our girl Lizelle decided to grace us with this beautiful photo of me, <laughs> very excited about some Cocoa Puffs <laughs> at the grocery <laughs> store. After what seems to have been a long night. <laughs> <laughs> you might have been going for your second or third bowl at that point. I mean, I don't think I washed my face that night. I just said, screw it, we're going to the grocery store, we want to see Leave the contacts in. Was it 11 p.m., 11 a.m., 4 a.m.? Nobody knows. What was the Nobody time? Nobody knows. I, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> they don't keep windows in grocery stores, Isaac, for it's a like reason. It's like Las Vegas. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, it's for your own. For and your uh, own so I fun. see over there we have actually a box of... Yes, so Dana actually decided to bring a box, a giant size box mm -hmm. of Cocoa Puffs for us, which, I mean, Dana, you're in. Anytime, mm -hmm. doors open, you're welcome. Like, we love it. She fit right in. So I'm so excited about that. It made my day. We all got a good laugh out of it. She signed it, and then we decided when the Mavs win it all, we're busting it open, and mm -hmm. we're all going to enjoy a nice bowl of cereal. <laughs> Hopefully cereal's good for eight months, but we'll find out. We'll, we'll check so back in. It's so much sugar. I think it'll be good for years. <laughs> yeah, even Dana was like, are you kidding me? It's good forever. She sounds like she knows from experience. Shout out Dana Larson. All right, thank you, Katya. So now we're going to wrap this thing, the segment up with a thing we like to call the heat check. I'm putting 24 seconds on the clock. Okay. You got to give me a hot take, and you got to defend it to all the haters, to all the people who might disagree. But if your take is too spicy... We will hit you with the technical foul. Who's brave enough to go first? I'll go if you want me to. All right, Mike. Let's go. Go. TikTok, TikTok. Twitter's about half as funny as it used to be. Ooh. I'm all, I'm all here for this. I, like, I agree. I feel like I get on and it's the same people using like the same template of joke. And it's just like crazy photo. And when this happens, I do this, right? And it's it used to not be like that. It used to be people firing off original? like yeah, jokes. And now it's 1,000 of the same jokes so I can get 1,000 likes. <laughs> Do better, tweeters. Come on. <laughs> Be funny. It's a place for jokes. Isaac, you ready? I'm ready. Uh, I'm all out on all NBA halftime shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, call, me, call me old man, like, get off my lawn. But Simon Says guy, I'm down if he never comes back. Oh, oh come on. Right. Simon Says is a technical foul. No, this is a time to get a snack, use the bathroom, get back to your seat. You got if, time. If we want <laughs> to get something to eat. Um, if you want to play, up. I'm <laughs> cutting you off. That, that takes suck. I'm out. Katya. Red Panda. I love Red Panda. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that's where we differ. I'm going to a different sport. Baseball. Aaron Judge, 62 home runs. Yes, it's impressive, but it is, it's not the record. Wow. It's, it's not mm. the record. People watch, wow. people watch baseball still? <laughs> I don't, but <laughs> it's not the record. Right. All they break into all other games. <laughs> do, do we get excited about Eastern Conference records? I do. No. Just kidding. Come Just kidding. On. More talk after this. Hour number two of Studio 41 Radio. It is the corner three with Bobby, Isaac, 
and Katya. And Katya, it's judgment day <laughs> in the studio. Oh, wow. She said, Aaron, 62, not impressed. Bring me 74, and then oh. I'll be impressed. <laughs> I'm pew, just pew, saying. Pew. Look, it's impressive, yes. But do we get this excited about an Eastern Conference record or a Western Conference record in the NBA? The one Western Conference record that I will defend till my last breath. Okay. Oh, oh no. Oh gosh. Dirk Nowitzki, the only Western Conference player ever with 50 points in a Western Conference Finals game. Okay, fine. It's been done in the East oh, by yeah. I think MJ and LeBron, and that's it. Fine. Dirk, cool. that one record, that's the Aaron Judge record right there. Oh, Thank you, Dirk. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still 74 or nothing. I'm just trying to pretend that I could get worked up about baseball. So <laughs> I value this. I, I really you. value this. Thank you. The last time I cared about baseball was like Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. And Do and, those and records count to you, yeah, Isaac? Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, that's the time for the record. I, I honestly don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I, enjoyed, I enjoyed Cooperstown. <laughs> I enjoyed going to the Hall of Fame. Out of the so, three Hall of Fames, I enjoyed that one a lot. So the answer is 74. Or it doesn't count. All right. Well, I guess I'm outnumbered here. I, th <laughs> I think it's cool, I guess, that it happened in Dallas, but uh, whatever. Yeah, Listen. 74. You know what? 74. 74, get out of here. Boom. I got everyone on board. Get out of Let's town. Go. Get Let's out of go. town. All right. So Nico Harrison joined Skin and I at Fan Jam this past weekend. It's the Mavs open practice. We got the whole game up on our YouTube channel. Go but Nico was gracious enough to join us for 10 minutes in the first half. We had a great conversation about a whole bunch of stuff. Let's throw it to that interview right now on the corner three. I don't know how many fan jams you've been a part of. I mean, there's even maybe a chance that you went to some working for Nike, but is this what you expected walking into the building today, this crowd? No, actually it's not. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, I told my college roommate, he said, hey, I'm thinking about coming down, bringing my son. I was like, yeah, do it. He goes, do I need to come early? I'm like, nah, there'll be nobody down here. <laughs> you, got the, you got the text Sorry, message? Omar. <laughs> that Omar's texting you, hey, man, I need in. Can you come get me right now? I'm trapped yeah, what, outside. What an amazing crowd. This is awesome. You make the conference finals, and the hype is out of control. I love it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So yesterday, NBA TV was on the scene, filming practice. It was awesome. Two guys that really stood out, Josh Green and Jaden Hardy. The hype is out of control. Everybody saw Jaden the sham into the Eurostep reverse finish, lit the internet on fire. What have been your impressions of the rookie so far? Well, the best thing about Jaden is that, you know, he struggled a little bit in summer league, but he's been in the gym ever since then, and he's gotten better and better and better, and, and the coaches have worked him out. He's understanding our schemes, and he's just, he's a hard worker. He, he has a skill set that he's, he's just a natural born scorer but he's learning our defensive schemes. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think that's an interesting distinction too, Nico, because, you know, fans and, and media make assumptions. They go, okay, well, we lost Jalen Brunson. I wonder if the young kid can absorb those minutes. But you said it. He's not a traditional playmaker. He's a scorer as he gets out on the break here. His role when he does get minutes is to strictly fill it up. Yeah, I, I think I think he's a natural scorer. Eventually he'll learn to playmake for others, but – you know, he's young. It's going right. to take a while. You know, he didn't go to college. Right. Um, it's going to take him a while. But but he's he's a talented player. He's at that stage where, like, every single day he can get better at something. You know, Legitimately. Really and and he, he lives in the gym. Like, he absolutely lives in the gym. That's awesome to hear. The other guy, Josh Green, even after that practice, Lucas said on NBA TV, so it's out in the world now, he said, this is Josh Green's year. 
So what does he need to do? What does he need to improve at? Show you guys for this to be Josh Green's year. Well, I think he, I think he's done it. You know, we, we talked about it coming into the summer. It was a big summer for him. And, you know, Michael Finley calls him the MVP of the summer. He lost weight. Um, he got more confident. Uh, he's, he's looking really good. We've talked so much about consistency of jumper with him, and obviously that's going to have to come. But I think back to, like, the way Jason Kidd made Giannis a playmaker, even though he's not a traditional point guard, and the NBA has changed. Y'all are probably counting on Josh to be a playmaker for this team this year, both him and Frank. Yeah, I think I think both of those guys are, are going to have to step up. Um, but the thing about Josh is his confidence. And when you put the work in that he did in the summertime, it, it translates to confidence, and so I think I think he's going to be fine. You had fun over in Germany? I did. It was a great time. Yeah, I mean, you were getting really to kick it with the whole like Dirk family. So yeah, the Mavs family and the Dirk family, which is kind of the same yep, family, yep, right? Yep. Uh, what was the best part of that trip? The best part of the trip, probably the dinner we went to. Dirk took us out to dinner the first night to have a uh, schnitzel. All right, you know, skin. You were invited to that. I I, I, I I couldn't get across the waters for whatever reason. I was stuck in Dallas. I missed out on all of that. You you got some good German grub though. Got some good German grub. Yeah. Did y'all and did y'all imbibe? And because you're at the home of beer, I mean, did you get did you imbibe a little bit? We had to. You it's have no must. choice. Yeah. Even if you don't drink, you just have to do it. Oh, you, you, part of it. You've seen a lot of uh, Jersey retirement ceremonies in the NBA, uh, but what is it like to be one for a country like that? Yeah. I mean, I don't think FIBA's ever retired anybody's jersey. Incredible. Uh, it's, it just. I mean, it just shows the greatness that Dirk is and how much he represented his country, uh, you know, on and off the, the court, but then also in international play. We see him at practice, too. He's got the notepad. He's got the pen. He's taking notes. What are you learning from Dirk through camp so far? Well, the good thing about Dirk is he's obviously played this game at a high level, and, and he knows what he likes and, and what to look for. So his feedback has been amazing. Uh, so, Nico, there's uh, a thought that, okay, the off season is over, but – I would imagine, you know, you talked about it last year after the, the Porzingis trade, and you've talked about it in the offseason. Y'all are constantly looking to get better. Do you anticipate maybe some midseason uh, transactions being something that y'all would be looking to do? What would be the determination for something like that? Well, first of all, it's a new team, so we got to kind of see who we are and right. where we're at. And then I think once we gauge that, then it's like, okay, how can we make, you know, it's our duty. If we can make ourselves better, we got to do that. So yeah. we got to look for that. But, but uh, first, we're going to see who we are first. I, I also want to ask you about uh, the. We've been talking on the broadcast so far. The Wood trade. We we've seen him. We know what he does. But you guys really were very interested in adding Javale McGee as one of the the primary things you wanted to do. Why is Javale McGee important to this team? Javale McGee. He's a winner. He's one. Um, he's an amazing rim protector. Amazing rim roller, which is going to go great with Luca. So I, I just think the the stuff that he'll be able to give us second chance points um, that we could that we can use in the playoffs. I think he has it. And what about the intangibles too? Because last year's team, guys that have been in the playoffs before, but Javale's won three titles. I mean, he's been to he's been on some of the best teams of all time. You know, and he's familiar with Jason too. So what is all of that experience like? The intangible traits that he brings, how big of a boost can that be for everybody else on the roster? Oh, it's it's everything. It's I mean, when you talk about team chemistry and leadership, you know, he's bringing all that, and he's been there. So the moment's never going to be too big for him. Is he a vocal guy? What's his personality like? Nah, he's not a vocal guy. He leads he leads um, by example. You know, he's going to be there on time. He's going to work hard. 
and, and he's one of those guys that just you're going to follow because of how hard he plays. I'm curious about that, too, as Maxie lets it rip. It's a soft jumper that doesn't land. I'm curious about, you know, there's an assumption, okay, Jay Kidd wanted this because, obviously, he coached him in L.A. Oh, JaVale? Oh, look at JaVale as we talk it. about it. Let's go. Uh, but was this was this Jason telling you I need this, or was this you going to Jason going, hey, we need your guy? No, I mean, we, we all know what, what we missed in the playoffs and right. what we needed, and we didn't have rim protection last right. year or shot blocking, and so he gives us that, you know. All right, I'm familiarity with the Warriors' uh, system maybe, too. Uh, maybe he knows how to beat them better than anybody okay, else. Okay, okay. You know? Hey, I don't know if your uh, phone, if you're getting text messages this week, but there is a real famous Kobe story that was making its way around the Internet this week about international play against Spain in which he floored Pau Gasol to set a tone, and they're showing all these clips. And, man, Nico, you were in quite a few of those clips. Were you getting hit up this week as that, that was making the rounds? Did yeah. you know you were an Internet all-star sensation? I was getting hit up this week. That was fat Nico. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at it as jacked up Nico. I was a little out of shape. <laughs> what, uh, what could you tell us, though, about that trip and being there for a part of that? Well, part of the Redeem team, um, you know, we, we had gone 2002, 2004, 2006, and we got spanked. Yeah. And, and uh, it was one of those things where we all collective effort with USA Basketball, Nike, the NBA, we went out and made sure that we had the best, best available guys so that we could get back on the map um, and, uh, and what we felt was our rightful place of being the, the best country in basketball in the nation. What's, in the always, what's always cool at the Olympics is that, you know, the USA team is always going to be stacked, but when it comes to winning time, they kind of defer, right? They'll, they'll go to the alpha. And for so many years, that was Kobe. Now it's, you know, maybe LeBron. But, I mean, everyone just kind of knows. Everyone, everyone knows who to give the ball to when it's winning time. Yeah, you know, the thing in those international competitions is we're playing, the U.S. is playing against teams who have been playing together forever. You look at Slovenia, you look at Spain, Argentina. Like, those guys were raised together and been playing together. You can't just put a collection of superstars together and roll the ball out because the separation is not that big uh, when you're playing against really good, cohesive units. Well, we were talking international ball. Australian Josh Green made a really nice drive and won. Bobby was talking earlier about him working on his jumper. We were talking about confidence and decision-making. What have you seen mechanically from his jump shot that looks like it may lead to improvement this season? I think it's all confidence. I really do. I think I think everything he does uh, leads back to confidence. He's got the rock right now, and he's letting go. it rip. I mean, that looks good. And he's knocking it down. Good-looking jump shot. No hesitation. He's looking for it. He shoots in it, and he's confident it's going to go in. I appreciate just the instincts to go ahead and put his jumper on display while we're talking about him. Just a really great move by I Josh mean, I, Maybe he's got – I'm telling you, guys, these guys watch the stream. <laughs> they know what Even while playing, they Frank watch is gonna the make stream. This, right? Come on, Frank. I called that. Um, one thing that Josh said, too, talking about spending a summer with Kyle Lowry. Now, they don't play the same position or anything, but Kyle Lowry's won a championship. He's been to the top of the mountain. Oh. <laughs> what can Josh learn from a vet like Kyle? Well, the good thing about Kyle is he's been an all-star. He's played at a high level, um, and he's he's done it. And he wasn't always a superstar. You know, he is now, but he wasn't when he first his first few years in the league. So I just think not only the patience, but also the work ethic to get to the level that he wants to get to. Oh, my Lord. Putting on a show. Nico, is Josh going to start or what? What's the deal, <laughs> man? Come on. That's, that's J-Kid's call, not mine. <laughs> 
Well, the fans seem to want it right yeah. now. All right, well, we appreciate you so much, man, for taking some time with us. Thank you for hanging out. And, oh, thanks, uh, guys. I enjoyed it. Once again, I just want to thank Nico for his time. That was so awesome that he was able to join that broadcast. You know, it was our first time really doing that fan jam that way. And he had a lot of really good talking points. Uh, what stood out to you the most, Bobby? I think the first thing he said, he said that Michael Finley said, <laughs> which I think is Nico's way of agreeing. Yeah, yeah. But they called Josh Green the MVP of the summer. And now that quote, if Josh starts the year shooting 20% for a month and a half, could become a meme online. But it shows that they really believe not only did he put in the work, but that it's like paying off. You oh, know, they're bought in. He's really progressing, yeah. They're bought in. Which is important because Josh is a young guy, first round pick, but was not picked by this regime. You know, right. so nobody right. like owes him anything or anything. So the fact that he is making an impression at this time going into the moment when they need to decide on his fourth year option and is he going to be around here beyond that or not or whatever, it's it's really important. So I think it's you know good on Josh for making an, making an impact. Do you think that plays into him like upping his stock as like these guys, you know, I'm not I'm not this regime's guy or pick, you know, so it, I need a. It has to be in his mind. Like when you don't. We've seen different draft picks for different regimes of different organizations where that's instantly from coaches to draft picks to everything that a front office is kind of flipped over. Then you're like, everybody's kind of like, well, what's my future like? And for Josh, Josh didn't, we saw what happened last year in the playoffs. I'm kind of unsure. I didn't know what his role was going to be this year, but there's clearly a role for like him on paper, like as a wing who can distribute pass all this different stuff. Like, and there's it's super explosive, too. Yes, I mean, he there, can yes. dunk. Yes, and the hype train yeah. is is so real right now. Everybody you talk to around the organization, all hyping up Josh Green. Luca did, I think, on the, the real training camp on NBA.com. Jared Dudley has hyped him up. Jason Kidd has. Nico Harrison talking with Michael well, Finley. Right at the end of that interview, Josh Green, you know, you hear the crowd erupt. Josh Green threw down a dunk, like, right at the end of that conversation. And so Nico's, like, you know, Nico's <laughs> literally manifesting it into <laughs> Drop existence. Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Yeah, talking about him in the moment. Uh, what about Jaden Hardy, Katia? We talked about him a little bit earlier, but Nico said he knows how to score. He's got an NBA skill. So, I mean, it's pretty apparent that Nico really likes him, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, obviously Nico is pretty bought into Jaden Hardy. They made the trade to, you know, to, to – get him in the draft right so they want him on this team um he's young so the development is it there i don't know will he go to the g league will he play some minutes down there again and you know kind of keep you know his momentum going because i know he's not going to get like a ton of minutes off yeah. the bat on the big team that is the trick like you're trying to win but also but also you, the young guys. Yeah, you yeah. want to like incorporate the, the young guys. And we come from our previous regime who didn't really play the young guys a lot, no, right? No, so no way. What are you I talking mean, about? Luca got a lot of Luca minutes. Luca got a lot of minutes. <laughs> Dennis Smith Jr. played a lot <laughs> so for about three months. Just historically <laughs> speaking, you know, I think I think it's the time to build him up, build up his confidence. I mean, he... I don't think he lacks much in that department. <laughs> he he's a pretty confident young man, but uh, I I want to see how he fits in. I want to see what he does off the bench for the big team. They're a big believer in him, and Nico from day one was very adamant of we liked him at twenty six. Like we wanted to take him there. Now you could say that about a lot of front offices. Anytime they take somebody later on, hey, we had him higher up the board. But like he's been very adamant about that. That they liked him at twenty six. They obviously gave up that pick in the Christian Wood trade. 
but they wanted to – I mean, they made the trade to get back in the draft to go get him. It's not like they get they didn't pick him at 26 and they, oh, okay, well, he'll be there at 33 or they moved – they traded back in the draft to get him. So they believe in him. They like him. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. Now, Isaac, Kati and I are employed by Big NBA. You kind of walk the line, so we can turn this question to you. Let's he go. Tiptoes. Let's go. Let's, Let's do this. Skin asked the dreaded question, hey, man, you got a roster spot open. What's the deal? Yeah. What do you see happening? Are the Mavs going to make a move? Yeah. Are they going to wait? What's the, the pros and cons of either approach? No, I think they do. I, I think they make a trade. Um, I think we could see a smaller one um, pretty quick in the season. I, I still expect one. I expected one um, at the end of the offseason, if we want to say it's like the end of the offseason right now and, and preseason. But I think they do. And uh, I think at some point we'll see another ball handler, creator, um, bench presence uh, on this roster at some point. Whether it's, yeah, using that open roster spot or somebody's you know going out from the current roster right now, I, I think we do see a trade at some point. I'll plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. I have, I have no opinion. Fifth. I have no opinion. Uh, Katia, one of your new favorite players, the guy that maybe delivered the best quote for Media Day. Yes. JaVale Hands McGee. down. Best quote. JaVale drained a three while Nico was talking about JaVale. Listen. I, again, Nico's magical, but what's the deal with JaVale, man? First of all, I think all the players secretly listened to Studio 41 because anytime we were talking about a player, they showed up on the court. Oh, so. yeah. They, they clearly listen. Yep. You know, I'm just we got the earpiece. Yeah. Chopper's got the <laughs> IFBs or whatever they're called. No, JaVale, I am so excited to see him back. You know, it, you, you don't really know his personality. I feel like, you know, uh, nationally, they kind of paint him to be a goofball. And then he walked into that press conference room and he held the room. He was serious. He's here to do business. He's here to win. He's here to go 82-0. and 0. <laughs> he also Can they do it? I mean, the sky's the limit right now, right? Oh, oh, all right, let's go. But he said, if you're not wearing this jersey, you're not with me. So it's me and these 15 guys, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to get it. And it is so important to have that strong veteran voice in the locker room, on the court. And, I mean, he wears the most chains I think I've ever seen anyone wear in a scrimmage. It was blinktastic. So respect. <laughs> it was blinktastic. I, I got high hopes for JaVale, too. I'm all, I'm all in on JaVale this season. Oh. It's one of the most underrated moves of the whole offseason for the whole league. I'm excited tonight, Friday night, Mavs, Orlando, at AAC. JaVale could possibly play. Luca could co- like possibly play. And that first lob is going to set the AAC on fire. He's going to teach Mo Bamba a lesson. All right, let's go out of bounds. Katya. All right, out of bounds. Excessively hot takes, usually from Twitter, because we all know that people just like to say very ridiculous things on there. And um, we're just going to see where they land among us here. So the first one that I saw that really stood out to me was uh, some guy just said straight up, Dwight Powell is a better defender than Christian Wood. Ooh. Fair or foul? Interesting. Fair or foul? Sheesh. Huh. I mean, I don't know. I guess what's the context? Dwight usually defends as a five. Right. Christian Wood, if he's the lone big man, I mean, Dwight can really move his feet. We haven't seen Wood much with the Mavs, obviously, yet. We did in Houston, but it's not like the Houston roster was loaded with perimeter lockdown guys either. So I don't know. I think we'll have to find out. As a foreman, who knows? But I, I don't know. It's I, I, I'm going to say uh, incomplete. Okay. I'll say the same. I mean, I feel like I'm trying to compare, like, hey, which fast food place is the most healthy for you right now? But oh, wow. <laughs> 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 so, sorry, but uh, 
Um, see if Isaac is back for week two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I'll, I'll call out of bounds on that. Christian Wood's a better defender. I'm going to go with you, Isaac. I think, I think Christian Wood, I mean, but also we've never seen it. So I'm going to say possibly Christian Wood's a better defender. Um, this is tiptoeing the line of we out need, of bounds on we me. We need the replay review. Yeah, I need the replay <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Bobby, what would you find? Uh, so Tyler Dorsey, Mavs two-way signee. It was his first game. Shot, I think, 0 for 6 or 0 for 5 from the floor. Missed all his shots. Um, now kind of the narrative is they should just cut him and get someone younger. Oh, Even though he is like 25, 26. Come on. Out yeah. of bounds. Out of Overreaction bounds. I agree. 100%. I agree. It is one game. It is one preseason game. I mean, the guy played Eurobasket. He was playing for Greece alongside Giannis. He had some good moments in those games. So I think to count him out after literally one preseason game is a little out of bounds. It's peak Twitter. Right. And I'm not trying to dunk on the fans, but this is the most Twitter. Dunk on him. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, reverse windmill. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll bring a narrative from uh, social media that fans have right now, and that's the need for a third ball handler. And I think it's valid. I, I do think there's an importance of that, not just for the playoffs, but also in the regular season, too, that if Dinwiddie or Luca miss some time or just trying to manage some of Luca's minutes, I do think we need a third guy in there. And now, can Frank develop into that? Can Josh be comfortable enough handling the ball? I don't know. I, right now, I want to see it before I actually like believe that. But I do think that's a valid thing that fans have right now is that third ball handler spot. Agreed, I think it's valid. Yeah, yeah, it's 100%. valid. Even that, going back to where I, I think um, Nico was talking about that trade with Porzingis, you know, back at last season, and the, how their team shifted whenever he's like, man, when we br brought that third ball handler to the roster, it just changed the whole dynamic of our team. Right now, they don't have that, so I want to see how that shakes out. Moves will be made. Coming up next, we're going to go around the NBA, and then we're going to get into some prediction time next on The Corner 3. On 97.1 The Freak. You are listening to The Corner 3 on 97.1 The Freak. we got Bobby Corella, Isaac Harris, and Katia Vialba. Katia, earlier in the show, we hit the step back three. Three stories around the league that have grabbed our attention this week, and you mentioned that LeBron James... He wants to be more than an athlete. Yeah, so he voiced that whenever the expansion draft hop or the expansion happens, that he would like to see a team in Vegas and that he would like to own it. And he would like he would like to be part of that front office for it. Um, I'm here for it. Uh, what better transition for someone's career who has had a phenomenal career in the NBA to then go on and kind of lead a team of Younger players, you know, a new team, bring the hype to a city. I like it. I, I think I think it would be really cool to see LeBron in that kind of situation. He has made a, I think, literally a billion dollars. I mean, he could afford his it. Career, yeah, yeah. So technically, it had to be that like Fenway Group that he's he has ownership in with like right. Liverpool and all of that. But Liverpool's doing uh, okay. Yeah, they're <laughs> all right. I've heard. I I I enjoy when older athletes or superstar athletes reach this point of their career to where they just don't give a crap like what they, what they say in the media because <laughs> they literally have LeBron saying Adam Silver the, the commissioner of the <laughs> league I want this team like to the media I'm like all right this is the most direct thing ever but which billionaire is brave enough to outbid LeBron <laughs> yeah. I mean also he's you know he's in LA right now he stays in LA maybe has a home in Cleveland and he'll just hop back and forth, you know, on the little PJ on the way to Vegas. It's a, it's a short flight, and uh, he's just he, 
I see it happening. Expansion, we don't know when it's going to happen, but we do know that it is going to happen. It's basically inevitable at this point. I mean, Vegas I would and like, Seattle. Yeah, I was going to say, I would like to see a Seattle team. You know, I would like to see. Louisville, Kentucky, baby. No, okay. come on. Send okay, Jaw yeah. and the Grizzlies to the east. We're going Seattle and Vegas, man. But yeah. that, that it is bad because it means more 930 tip-off times, which I'm in my older years, I'm not too big I'm eating fan dinner of. at that time, so let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's I, go. Isaac is like, that means I got to stay up till 4 a.m. to record Lock on Maps tonight. Kazi's like, I got to go to the grocery again for, for <laughs> Coco. How much laundry do I need? <laughs> the love of God. Isaac, the reason yeah. that LeBron was in Vegas was I, I think they played an exhibition game out there or something, but LeBron and AD and a bunch of other guys were at the Wimby v. Scoot showdown and you mentioned this draft lottery is going to be maybe historic. Is it? Is it just not so much fun to watch this kid play? Like, I mean, he's like seven through. Feels like anytime somebody talks about him, he grows every time. Yeah. Uh, like the quote, you know, it's like at one point I hear somebody say, "Man, at seven six, you see what he's done." And then you hear seven three. He's just a giant kid who can, he, like, he doesn't even move like a seven foot three guy. He moves so fluid, and Scoot's going to be awesome. You know, at the same time, I just. It's made me think there's been so many national headlines about over the past 48 hours that, yeah. I mean, one, are we going to see some historic stuff with tanking? Like, there's no <laughs> telling what is going to happen Nobody tanks this year. in the NBA. What are you talking there's about? There's no tanking. A lot of youth movements going on. <laughs> yes. A lot, yes. Um, a lot of injuries this season probably. But is this the most anticipated draft lottery that we've had since? I mean, Zion was a, was a really big deal. but. Yeah. It's since LeBron, right? Like whenever Did you that hear what LeBron said about him? I just saw the alien quote. What did he okay, say? yeah, he said, So everyone's been a unicorn over the last few years, but he's more like an alien. He's for sure a generational talent. Wow. I mean, those are strong words. Can we just make sure the Spurs are not one or two? That's all I care about. It's gonna be the Spurs, it's gonna be the Jazz, it's gonna be one of these teams in the West. I'm already mad about it. But I think it is gonna be for lack of a better term, a race to the bottom Yeah. this year. Yeah. I mean, the, the top five is loaded, like the Thompson Twins. and yeah, you know, yeah. We got some guys, but, but I mean, Victor and Scoot Henderson is a heck of a consolation prize, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Absolutely. is two really, really good prospects atop this draft class. So you just got to hope they stay healthy and, and everything pans out. But by all accounts, Victor's going to play. He's not shutting it down. He's, agent. he's playing the whole season. It's <laughs> insane, too. I mean, the guy is, what, 7'3", seven, 7'4", seven, seven, Who really knows? But he is uh, shooting threes from like 35 no. and making feet, Rudy like Gobert look like his little okay. brother yeah. can we talk about that photo for just like a split second he made Rudy Gobert look like an average size like fan next to him yeah and Gobert is huge and then the, whoever the guy was to his left was like <laughs> up to the waist yeah. <laughs> so. that guy was like six foot he, the yeah, guy like, was like my height coming yeah. up to Wimby's pelvis it's, it's just crazy we've heard about him for so long and then he plays his first game on American soil you know in that Vegas game against Scoot Henderson and G League Ignite and um you know, he puts up 37 and 36, just doesn't disappoint at all. And he's every bit of the hype. And, and I mean, his teammates getting a lot of love, too, uh, for uh, his teammates' jersey. And um, those jersey sales are going up right now. Steve? Yeah. What's Steve's <laughs> last name? Uh, I, I don't know if we could say it on 97 <laughs> One The Freak. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that is word is allowed. Is it's it freaky enough? <laughs> it is pretty freaky. It's a freaky last name. <laughs> it is a freaky last name. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm just very grateful that Luca did not play any exhibition games in the States while he was still Ooh. with Real Madrid, except for that one against Russ, but that was he was like 14 years old, so we don't count that one, because then he might not have fallen to three on draft <laughs> night. 
out west we got some drama, folks. Oof, yeah. Ooh. We say Las Vegas is Sin City, but I think that San Francisco slash Oakland slash wherever the Golden State Warriors practice facility is, that's the real Sin City. The area is getting spicy. Because we got some tea to spill. Or really, it's been spilled all over the internet. It's been spilled all over my computer. I can't even use it anymore. Because Draymond Green, you know that guy, and Jordan Poole, unfortunately, Mavs fans are very familiar with what he's capable of on the floor. They had a little mix-up. They had a little mix-up, and, and word has drifted out of their practice facility rather TMZ slowly. TMZ dropped the video. Yeah, TMC dropped the vid, but I want to talk about the build-up first. This narrative has been, it's been quite the war of words yeah. coming out of that locker Give room. Give us the tea, Bobby. All and right. we know Draymond is a man of many words. Oh, well, it's, he's new media. He's got a lot to say. That's right. So at 7.59 <laughs> p.m. on Wednesday night, Sham Sharania comes out and says, Sources, there was a physical altercation at Warriors practice today that is the team considering disciplinary action toward Draymond Green. That's it. That's all mm. he said. It was a physical altercation. All right. Set the internet on fire, though. It did. It did. 18 minutes later, Shams follows up and says that Draymond, quote, forcefully struck Jordan Poole. It's okay. Did they get in a fight? Was it a hit? What's the deal? How does Shams know this and nobody else does? What's really going on? An hour after that, Chris Haynes from Yahoo follows up with a report of his own. Draymond Green was apologetic in aftermath of the altercation with Jordan Poole, but there was a buildup stemming from teammates noticing a change in Poole's behavior throughout camp with the guard on the verge of securing a lucrative extension. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. So it took an hour oh, for somebody with the Warriors to be like, he had it coming. He had it, I don't <laughs> like his attitude. I don't like it. I don't like that one bit. An hour and a half later, Chris Haynes says, Yahoo sources, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole have a history, but no players for the Golden State Warriors felt the incident was warranted. Some form of disciplinary action is expected. So, man, we got players shoveling dirt on Jordan Poole. That's the last of it yeah. as of Wednesday night. All of this came out on Wednesday. But Friday, things got a little spicier. So here's a paragraph from... Bobby's really excited right He's now. so excited. From the Athletics' <laughs> Anthony Slater on Friday morning. The question is, how does Poole feel? This is the weirdest paragraph ever written, okay? Physically, he is fine. He went through an individual shooting routine not long after being punched and was a full participant in Thursday's scrimmage. Afterward, he again went through his tedious shooting routine just dunking on his shooting routine, wow. his boring, snooze-worthy shooting routine, and took time to walk over and chat with the visiting Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, who were in the facility to tape a podcast with Myers and Clay Thompson. You got weirdness bingo. And Dude got plug. punched. <laughs> his shooting practice sucks. You could check out their podcast. <laughs> got, got guys in there to record some stuff. New media. Okay, but that's not where we, we leave off okay. the story. Because mere moments after that, TMZ, they released the video. And Draymond completely put Jordan Poole to sleep. Like, I he mean, knocked him ooh. down to the ground. There was words, there was a push, and then there was a punch to the chin. Like a running But it punch. was like, yeah, a, like a running on just straight. It was a, like, a forceful strike. Yes. Jordan Poole was like, hey, I like old media more. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan Poole's <laughs> like, I wish you would just give me a newspaper. <laughs> and Draymond Green was like, that's it. Come here. Coming up next weekend, Draymond Green versus Le'Veon Bell. In the ring. <laughs> oh, wow. For the next... Uh, I no, mean, but I mean, the punch was... He was... He it was, was a serious yeah. business. And, and it's, it's rather troubling that that video got out, too. Yeah. You know? Uh, 
you should never inflict violence on another human being, but you should also never share stuff that's meant to be really private. So I don't know what's going on there. This kind of stuff is what causes that friction within teams that, you know, it'll eventually show on the court, which, you know, is a good transition. It could. I mean, there are some parallels here to, like, teams of the past. A lot of these guys on the Warriors are into the last year of their deal. Mm -hmm. The Warriors have a seven trillion dollar luxury tax bill is there's, it the end of an era there's not enough money to extend everybody and Could jordan Poole is the one that might get it mj and steve kerr all right so should draymond have punched steve kerr <laughs> or should he have gone just for jordan Poole? steve's like hey i know that feeling jordan like uh yeah. <laughs> get up you'll be fine yeah. you'll be fine we'll make a doc about it in 20 just, years yeah, okay it. so how do you think that this will affect them in the standings let's let's kind of give our thoughts on who the top six in the West are going to be this year. I mean, obviously, we've seen some preseason, but nothing too much to, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it'll affect the Warriors that much. They seem to always be embroiled in some sort of drama, right? Yeah. Draymond, I mean, the year they won 73 games, there was that epic halftime argument, and then Draymond just completely destroyed KD while they were teammates, like, one or two years after that. So, I don't know. It feels like maybe he thrives off that sort of thing, which is funny because Steph and Clay are like the two chillest bros <laughs> so chill. of all time, at least so as far chill. as we know. But I, well, I, I mean, wait, hold on. Steph did have his little, he had, he had a little spicy drama <laughs> last, you know, last year. He did. He but, did. You know. But I think the Warriors are comfortable in the limelight. But we'll see. I mean, this, this could be different. But out West, I mean. So does that still put them in your top six? Yeah, if we're talking top six, of course the Mavs are probably going to be the number one seed. Uh, after that, I think the Warriors are, are a sure bet. I, I think as long as Steph is healthy, that team is going to be – he could play till he's 50. They're going to be really good. Yeah. The Clippers, if Kawhi plays at least 25 games, I think the Clippers are going to win a whole lot of games and be in the top six. I think six. John Wall is such a make or break there. He could give them a huge lift. I, he really or could. he could absolutely just Can you dance him. like him? No, I wish I could hit that, – that Dougie was smooth. <laughs> it's, you could see the younger guys like – <laughs> just like they awestruck. They're oh, like, man. I saw you do that at Kentucky when, when I was, was 18. Like, yeah. it, was it was awesome, you know? <laughs> they did the side-by-side side video, and I mean... He's he, got the he's moves. He's got the touch. Yeah. I, I, oh, respect. Yeah, I mean, Mavs, Phoenix, Clippers. I think, uh, I think Phoenix is still talented enough to be up there. I know they lost to the Adelaide 36ers, but I think they'll bounce back from that one. I think Denver will be up there. And then after that, I Here's mean... the spot. I don't think Memphis would fall from second to seventh, but I think the Wolves got a whole lot better. And so I think it's like the Mavs, the Grizzlies, the Wolves, maybe the Nuggets. Like, there's only room for three of those teams. Okay. I'll say the Grizzlies, and I think the Wolves will be the odd man out. But they'll win the play-in, and it'll be awesome, just like it was last year. Okay. Isaac? Uh, yeah, I had similar uh, thoughts to that. I'm, did I think a little bit longer about the Suns? I did. Ooh. Just, just because of all the offseason stuff, DeAndre Ayton – Jay Crowder, what's going on with him? Yeah. There's just there's so much bad stuff around that team right now that I'm like, Chris Paul, another year older, whatever. Um, I had the same teams at the those five teams, and then that sixth spot is the one. I actually did lean with the Wolves okay. as, as that sixth spot. I, I think the Grizzlies, I don't want to say it's like the Hawks, but <clears throat> I think it is. it was a little bit of – I think was, we're going to see a little bit of course correction with – the, the Grizzlies this year and uh, I just I like what the Wolves did outside of the Rudy Gobert thing but I like some of the other additions and Kyle Anderson some of those guys so 
I like them. Cat, we need you to break the tie. Is it going to be the Wolves? Is it going to be the Grizzlies? Or are you a, a Lakers stan? Okay. Uh, Pel- Pelicans? Let's not, get, like, let's not get that crazy. I don't know. Ooh, it's, the Pelicans. The Pelicans, I mean, kind of a dark horse there because you don't really know what Zion's going to bring to the table. Like, they have CJ McCollum, so, like, full year of CJ and Zion. Yeah, the offense is going to be awesome. You just don't know. The West is stacked. So, last year, just to remind everyone, it was Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, and Denver. Utah. He gone. Sorry, goodbye. You're you're uh-huh. not you're not in the top six. No, we're playing them off stage. Marketing. Um. So, ooh, Clippers. I think could move up there. Memphis. I think could slip out. Jamal Murray's coming back, and I mean Jamal Murray. I, I've always been such a big fan of his, so I think he's going to make Denver better. So I think Denver's going to step it up. So I guess I'm going to go Phoenix, Golden State, Dallas, Denver, Clippers. Who is it? Dun, 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 Wolves. Wolves, let's go. Wolves. Wow. All the right. resurgence of the big men. The, the two big lineups. I think they're going to have a comeback. I think we're going back to that era. Small ball. We'll see ya. Night, night, little guys. I should have known because they have a player named Cat. Really? So you're a little biased. No, who is, who is now cat. a voice actor? True. And He's now uh, a voice actor for HBO Max. And a uh, published author of Love Letters. <laughs> King S. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by, <laughs> by his own description. Yeah. In parentheses. Yeah. The font. The font was really what got me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, anyway. It was great. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great. But good luck to Jordan Woods and her two new business ventures. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Whatever businesses you want to start. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out out yeah. west, though. Maybe we'll come <laughs> to regret these choices. But, uh, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see who's right and who's crying at the end of the year. <laughs> okay, I have a little fun game for you guys. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. We're going we're gonna to do a little player prediction here. Oh, so ready. quick fire, you know, don't think about it too much. Okay. These are, these are Mavs player predictions? Mavs or? players. So we're, okay. we're sticking only to Dallas guys. And, um, yeah, I'm just going gonna, gonna to just throw them out there and see, see what you all have. Okay. All right. Who will finish second in points per game this season? Obviously, Luca is going to be first. My guess was going to be Luca until you said that. No, uh, I'll go. I'll go. Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Spence. Yeah, this one's clear for me. It's Dinwiddie. Okay. All right. So we agree on that one. Uh, who will lead the team in rebounds per game? Ooh. Are you brave enough to say not Luca? <laughs> I I'll say Javale by a slight margin. I'm with Isaac. Okay. I'll I'll say I'll say Luca. I don't know if the minutes will be there. I'll say Luca. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who will finish third in assists per game? Ooh. The third ball handler. McKinley Wright, the fourth? Oh. No, no. Uh, I, 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 Tim Hardaway Jr.? I was going to say, I'm going to shock you. I, I, I said Tim also. Okay. Oh, okay. I think he was third last year. Well, in trying to be original, you guys were not original. <laughs> all right. At Reggie all. Bullock. <laughs> Reggie Bullock. <laughs> all right. Who will receive the most Luca assists this season? So just, just going to throw, throw a little history out here. Um, Bobby and I were shocked. Well, I was I was correct in this. In 2018-19, DeAndre Jordan was the receiver of the most assists. Wow, I didn't that. know he moved that much. He he yes. Yes, he did. And only in half a season. Uh 2019-20 was KP, 2020-21 was Tim Hardaway Jr. and then last season was Dwight. So who will it be this year? Christian Wood. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm just going to say it and I like it. hope it comes true. I'll say Javel. I'm not confident. No, in no it. one's going Dorian. 
I thought about I would it. Love to, but just because <laughs> it's so. Yeah, Javale's gonna do the whole like he's gonna start, but Christian Wood will play more minutes. And but anyway. All right. Well, um, last one. What will happen more? Javale made threes or Luka dunks? Go. Javale's gonna hit 25 threes this year. I'm calling it now. Go. Let's go. Luka dunks. All right. All right. So Luka's gonna dunk 26 times. Yep. All right. That was fun. We'll see. We will see what happens. All right. So this is gonna be our our last segment every week. We're handing the floor to just one of us for the final two minutes. We're calling it in the bonus. In the last two minutes, you get fouled. That's that's two free throws. Two minutes. Yep, that is two free throws. Dos minutos. And uh, this week, I will selfishly take this final segment for myself. So y'all just uh, lay out Let's go. and give me the stage. So we're talking about uh, Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, all these guys. And I just, I cannot get over how exciting it was to watch those games and how much just how much fun it is to watch these young guys come along. You know, we've talked about it already, but by now you've probably seen at least one or two of those spectacular highlights that came out of those games. And if you haven't, you need to go check them out right now because that is the future of the sport. But as pumped as I am to watch Scoot and Wimby this season and in the years to come, I can't help but think about how much I would enjoy talking, projecting, and just ooing and aahing about these guys with my friend Jonathan Charks. John was a longtime writer at The Ringer, but before then he was just a humble blog boy like one of us who sat high up in the press box at American Airlines Center next to guys like me, Isaac, and many others over the years. About a year and a half ago, John was diagnosed with a malicious kind of cancer, and despite incredible medical care and a heck of a fight, our friend passed away last month, weeks before his 35th birthday. Now, normally whenever we talk about this sort of thing, we'll say someone lost their battle, but John didn't lose anything. He won. He won the battle, he won the race, and he won life. He very publicly discussed his own personal turnaround, chronicling in great detail how he became a better person, and people from around the world have shared stories of their own relationships with John since his passing, ranging from best friends to readers he'd never met but just shared some emails with. Anyway, bringing this back to basketball, these Wimby Scoot showdowns on the cusp of an unpredictable NBA season where no one knows what's going to happen would have been like Christmas morning for John, and I can only imagine how much fun we would have had taking in all the action. John loved prospects. He loved basketball. It was his professional passion. That isn't to say that he didn't just trash guys now and again. Believe me, he did. There's a lot of words about Kenneth Fareed from John Charks on the internet, for example. But you could tell he just freaking loved this game. It's an unbridled, infectious enthusiasm for the sport, whether the game was awesome or whether it was just a, a terrible snoozer in the preseason. I miss my friend. It won't be the same watching games or sitting in a press conference or just going through life without leaning over and cracking a joke to my buddy John. But if there's any sort of professional legacy, I hope we can all carry on in his steed. I hope it's the love of the game, the excitement of potential and what could be, and the thrill of just getting to watch basketball all the time. Not every player will be an all-star, but that doesn't mean they're not worth getting excited about. John will be the first one to tell you that. Not every game matters, but it doesn't mean we can't have fun watching it. And maybe we can make some lasting connections with our fellow fans along the way. John taught me a lot, including how to be a better fan of the game we cover. We live in a most cynical society, and sometimes for good reason, but this is a fun time for the Mavericks, and it's a fun time for the NBA. So I hope you, wherever you are in the great wide world, I hope you have a blast this season, just like John would have, just like I hope to. Whether your team wins or loses, whether the Mavs win the title or get bounced in the plan, whether Luke is the MVP or an all-star snub, I hope you have a ball. I know I will, even if I'll miss my friend every step of the way. So there we go. 
That was beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. This this show was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do over the next six months or so on this journey. Absolutely. So we'll be releasing every Friday on YouTube and recording Fridays. And then Saturdays, you can hear us on 97.1 The Freak. So excited to be here. Who knows what will happen next week? You'll just have to tune in to find out. All right. For Katya, for Isaac, for Chopper in the back, for Mike Marshall, I'm Bobby Corella. This was The Corner 3 on 97.1 The Freak, Studio 41 Radio, and we'll see you next week.